You're listening to the Colts Blue Zone Podcast with Mike Chappell and Dave Griffiths. Inside and very much outside today, the Fox 59 CBS4 Podcast Studio. This is the Colts Blue Zone Podcast. I'm Dave Griffiths and everyone's virtual today. Well, Joe, I guess, is in-house, but Mike Chappell and myself doing things from uh, the, the home offices of, of Beach Grove and Carmel here. So we have joined together. Uh, let, let no man separate what has been joined together by us here with the podcast as we go in to another week here of the offseason, another week of the Colts coaching search. And really, that'll certainly take up the meat of our show as the Colts have started head coach interviews. They've talked to a few people. I think at this point last week there were maybe a few that were done, but certainly at this point there's there's plenty more that were uh, going that were happening over the weekend. A bunch of people in different days, but let let's start off with the news uh, across the league, guys. That is uh, certainly has uh, some relevance to the Colts' position. Uh, none, none more so than Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud declaring for the NFL draft and making us all wait on pins and needles to do so, announcing on the final day on Monday that uh, he would indeed enter the the draft. Uh, Chap, we'll, we'll certainly dive into quarterbacks uh, much more in some, some future podcasts, and I know you have some plans as well uh, for the websites, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com, to talk about the Colts quarterback prospects. But w- with Stroud in there, that's another player that is – a 100% viewed as a first-round talent, uh, uh, probably 90% viewed as a top-three talent I- I- in this draft. So he he's a guy that will certainly be on the Colts' radar as they uh, go over the next couple months of player evaluation and the draft comes in late April. Yeah, one thing that moving forward, and we'll, we'll get into this later, but you, we're going to hear how all these draft experts, analysts, have these quarterbacks ranked. The only thing that matters is how the Colts have, have them ranked. Maybe they have the, the everybody's number four, ranked number one, so it doesn't matter. But but what Stroud does is, the more the better. The more candidates, the better the better your options, and that includes, is there less of a reason, not a reason, urgency to move up from four. If you've got three or four quality quarterbacks that you like, then then if they're all there, you've got an option of staying put. As opposed to giving up, what a couple of ones and something else to move up to, to Drew Lovett with the Bears to number one. So, anytime more is involved, it's a good thing. Yeah, Joe. When you look at the the top of this class, and I think Chap brings up a good point that uh, if you like multiple quarterbacks, maybe you don't have to trade up to number one. But at the same time, if you're sitting back there at four. If like people can still trade in front of you, if there's only three guys you like up there, I think there's still got to be some uh, some urgency to to make sure you get one of those guys. Yeah, they might they might have had to trade anyway, but I think if it gets slimmed down to two quarterbacks, the price that you have to pay certainly goes up. It's you know supply and demand type situation. So having Stroud in there certainly helps, and especially I mean, there's a chance that Stroud ends up being the Colts favorite quarterback and you know he could go number one we don't know there's uh, a thought or idea out there that Chris Ballard will shy away from Bryce Young if even if he had the opportunity to pick him because of height concerns Young is listed at six foot he might be more like 5'10 we'll find out uh, you know next month at the NFL Combine but Stroud very well could be the first overall pick in this draft and so him declaring is huge he was making me nervous there was all this talk on Twitter about he might be, you know, coming back to Ohio State and just, you know, getting his NIL money, which 
you know, it certainly might impact some players going to the draft or not. Probably not the first round talents because the money you get, especially that high in the first round, um, is is enough to to take you out of commercial deals or you know shoe deals or whatever else you might get. Also on that, and you look you're looking more long long term, but if you're a top five, top ten quarterback. What you really look for is when do I get that second contract? So the sooner you get in the league, the sooner you get to your second contract. So I would like to have seen at some level what kind of NIL money would he have gotten to come back. I mean, we're, we're talking that kind of money, really. But, again, th- this is good for the Colts that he's, that he's in the draft. I, we're, we're definitely talking about big money uh, with, with NIL and with a place like Ohio State, for sure. And I, and I, I can't imagine that – like, like this is going to happen eventually. That there's going to be someone who's a, who's a top pick who decides to go back. I mean, we we've seen it without NIL. We've seen guys like Cody Kessler go back to school. Who Justin is Herbert, talent. Justin Herbert, go back to school. If you go back further, like there, there's there's a bevy of USC quarterbacks. I, I bring up Cody Kessler, Matt Barkley, Matt Leinart, who were viewed as really high tier candidates in the draft Pey- and Pey- still went back. Peyton Manning. Oh Peyton yeah, Manning. that guy. You remember that, remember uh, that guy. Yeah, yeah, it turned out to be to be a good decision, good thing for the Colts that he went back for that other year. So, so even without NIL, guys decide to go back when they're viewed really highly. So, it, I mean, it's going to happen eventually, and NIL at that point will just be <clears throat> really the cherry on top, uh, if not uh, three quarters of the Sunday, probably depending on how much it is. To be perfectly honest, so uh, so so we will see. It, it will be, I, I, chap. I think it'll be really interesting, and I'm sure you'll get into this, and we'll get into this as we get to talk with Chris Ballard over um, probably on uh, NFL Combine week, but. He's been such a traits guy, traits, 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 big traits. Uh, like, how, how does that translate to quarterback? You know, that I think that's one question that's, that he's got to be asked is what are the traits that you look for in quarterback? Because it's obvious what, what traits you look for in, in some of these other positions, right? Well, and the one thing, it's, it's sort of apples and oranges, but maybe not because it's personnel. Remember Kenny Moore? He, his personnel guys finally wore him down because Kenny didn't have the measurables. So I, I think what, what a personnel guy, a GM, would say is, you know, in the long run, you have to trust your analytics because over the long haul, they bear out. But there are, but there are those outliers. But what you don't want to do is, is go against your analytics and then two years later, the analytics were, were right. But uh, these guys have all got their own – and it's obviously positional – you know, you don't you, you don't evaluate an offensive tackle with a quarterback with with a corner. But no, you're right. Now I want what's gonna be interesting, how specific will he get on what his measurables are for quarterbacks and all that. sometimes that's something they keep to themselves. But by and large, he is a very analytic guy because it's been proven over time that that's what is most trusted. Former Colts head coach Frank Reich is getting some other head coach interviews around the league. He has interviewed with the Carolina Panthers and the Arizona Cardinals, per multiple reports. His former offensive coordinator Marcus Brady also interviewed for the offensive coordinator job with the New York Jets. So I, I doubt either of those two guys will be will be out of work um, for long, unless Frank is really holding out for a head coaching job. And I think there's only chap like five head coaching positions out there. Uh, if other teams, it, it, I know it's it's single digits, but I know if teams are really gunning for the new hot candidate 
or the the up and coming uh, coordinator instead of a, a retread in, in so that's the only thing that I think could keep Frank Reich out of things and if he goes a year without getting a head coaching position I, I don't think he would take an OC job anywhere that doesn't seem to be anything he's interested in but uh, but but those are certainly two names that uh, Brady I anticipate for sure will have a job next year Frank even if he's not a head coach he could take a a, a, a just for an example throw it out there with his old boss, Doug Peterson in Jacksonville, some kind of offensive uh, consultant uh, somewhere around the league. I was told Frank had a really good interview with Carolina, that the owner really liked the interaction. I mean, wouldn't you expect Frank to have great interviews? I just, I just, I think that's the way he comes off. He's prepared. That's his disposition, his demeanor. And we'll see. It's kind of like everybody's waiting for that first, well, the second domino to fall. The first one fall, fell with what we'll get to in a minute with Jim Harbaugh. But then Sean Payton, where is he going? That will open up other other areas. But Frank wants to be a head coach. When I talk to him, he makes it very clear he wants to be a head coach. He is in a position to be selective, I guess, for the right spot. Although when you got five five spots, I'm not sure how, how you differentiate. Spots are open for a reason. So, something went wrong, either either personnel or whatever. But I, I hope Frank gets a job. I don't think it'll be a, as an OC. I just don't. He wants to be a head coach. And under different circum, better circumstances, he'd still be the coach here. Uh, the Tennessee Titans have hired a new general manager as well as Rand Carthon, former 49ers director of player personnel, is now in charge of personnel completely. Uh, in Nashville, 41 years old and Colts fans. If you remember that name, Rand Carthon, he was a running back and kick returner from the Colts from 2004 to 2006. Some good meaty years though, in Indianapolis Colts history. So chap, I'm sure you remember a thing or two about Rand. He's now going to be a little bit closer to home. Just makes you feel a little bit older when you cover a guy and then he advances to this stage, but good for him. I, the little I remember, he was very solid, uh, player yes but but just the way he handled himself in the locker room a lot of times you can tell how players might be down the road with how they carry themselves you got a real good impression it's funny it's totally different i guess but when anthony gonzalez was here receiver out of ohio state you knew that the nfl was not his destination it wasn't and he went to be a politician and a you know darn good one and now he's doing another career change but there's some guys you just get the feeling that they're in the nfl as a player leading to something else and then there are some guys that are football lifers like jim harbaugh who will stay in michigan he is indeed a maize and blue michigan man rumors were swirling that he could leave for the nfl but it appears joe that that jim says that he he's staying with the wolverines trying to take him to that next step that next level i, I think it, it, it wasn't the it wasn't the final nail in the coffin, but when Michigan got beat in the semifinal, I, I just got the impression that there was still something that he wanted to do in the college ranks still. Like if Michigan won the national title this year, maybe he comes back to the NFL. But at that point, I just thought it was a little bit more likely that he stayed. And indeed, Harbaugh is going to stay in Michigan and see Joe what he can keep building there. Yeah, two college football playoff appearances in a row. Really got a good program going there. And I wouldn't be surprised if he does venture back to the NFL at some point, but apparently this year was not his year. Yeah, chap, timing is everything. And for, for Harbaugh, I just thought that the timing wasn't right, even if there are probably some some 
ideal. I don't know if ideal is the right word. Like you said, these jobs are open for a reason, but uh, there were some at least intriguing possibilities against, I guess, for some positions open. And Indianapolis, certainly one of them with the possibility to go out and draft a young quarterback um, and some of the talent that is here. Uh, so, but, but again, and Harbaugh's history here with the franchise, but all that was, was apparently not enough. Didn't he interview somewhere? Was it Denver, Carolina? I, 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 been Carolina. I don't know if it was official, but I thought it was Denver that, that people said they really liked him. Let me see. You guys keep yeah, I, 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 I thought he, and, and again, this has to drive Michigan crazy because it's every year. And, and it's funny whenever you talk to a Harbaugh or, Back in the day, Nick Saban, they always saw, oh, I'm, I'm happy here. I don't want to go anywhere. Well, then shut the door and say you're staying where you're at. It, but I understand the way that, the way they are because, you know, he and Sean Payton, what are they talking about, $20 million a year? I mean, really? So uh, I was told that there was at least feelers between the Colts and Harbaugh. Now, that's not saying that Jim Mercy talked to Jim Harbaugh. It's it, it's that there, someone gauged a level of interest. He was sort of in the mix, but not in the mix. So now he's out of the mix, and you would assume that he's out of the mix here for quite a while. Yeah, that, that's what they can do, chap, to avoid, to, to continue to tell the truth and say, oh, I, I haven't talked to anyone with the Colts, or I haven't spoken anything. Like, there, there's always go-betweens. There's always the, uh, the middleman so to speak, that can uh, go between Jim Harbaugh, the Harbaugh camp, as uh, is uh, famously reported, and talk to different uh, NFL teams and NFL coaches about about their possibilities to, to hire him, their interest, and the interest that's uh, that's uh, reversed, I guess, in the other yeah, way. Yeah, and, and, they're, and uh, they're not lying. Yeah. Nope. They're, they're just sort of skirting the truth. I mm -hmm. I, uh, pull, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I, I never talked to him, but my God. But actually, I talked to someone who talked to him. It's like it's like high school or even middle school. Like whisper down the lane here. You know, what 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 exactly do you like? Okay, let's go back the other side and see what see what comes back there. But uh, yeah, um, apparently, according to a report that I'm reading here, Harbaugh did interview virtually with the uh, the Broncos for that job, and he could have done Carolina too. Uh, but I was just looking up Denver, so uh, that's at least one that he did. But eventually, like I said, uh, decided that now was not the right time for the NFL. So back he goes to the college ranks. What does Hancock Health's membership in the Mayo Clinic Care Network mean for you? It means our independent health network now has access to the knowledge and resources of the world leader in medicine. It means your Hancock Health doctor can now consult with Mayo Clinic specialists to confirm a diagnosis or treatment plan. And it means that together we're making health possible for you. Learn more about our new clinical collaboration at hancockregional.org front slash Mayo Clinic. Need new windows? Contact your hometown team today. At Hometown Window and Doors are Central Indiana's premier, locally owned, full-service Anderson Window dealer with master installers. From design to installation, the home owned, uh, Hometown team handles it all. They carry unlimited options with competitive pricing. Call them direct to get 25% off your windows if you call within the next 60 days. Hometown Windows and Doors gives you all the perks of a national brand with a hometown feel. Visit them at hometownwindowteam.com today. So the coach, coaching search continues this week. And with just the number of uh, coaches that have been interviewed, Chap, just before we dive into these names and the fact that all of them have been virtual so far, no one has come here in person, this still could be a process uh, that lasts a little while, even if we see 
Some other teams right now are maybe dialing in. You've seen uh, a hire or favorites. The Colts are right now still casting uh, a net that uh, has a quite the wide berth. So I guess Chris Ballard was telling us the truth. He said it would be extensive, and you know he said this thing can go into mid-February. They're going to take their time. They need to get it right. They have to get it right. And you know I I I, I forgot how the process is. I think is that after this week you can't talk to playoff coaches while the playoffs are going on. I think. It might be, yeah. So, so you know, if the guy you really like that his team's advancing, then it. And I tell you, if, if I'm if I'm Dan Quinn, and, and I've got an interest in the Colts, I just I'm going to wait. I'm just going to wait because, can you imagine a, a coordinator interviewing with a team, and then your team goes out and gets rolled that week in the playoffs? Well, you know, if you hadn't been so concerned about your next job and done this job. But, no, I, I think this is going to take a while. And I really think what's going to happen is they're going to talk to about, I don't know, what, what's the list at now? Is it 11, 12? I think they're going to talk to 10, or 10 to 12 people, and then they're going to pare it down to their five or six serious candidates, which is when the owner gets involved. I think that people need to kind of strap in. This is going to be a long process. I'm reading up on some some rules right now, just on on interviews, and it seems like these are just wild card round uh, rules. Uh, I couldn't find anything quickly on the divisional round, but uh, I think they might be able to interview again, like between Super Bowl week, uh, like when they have the week off there. But I think you're right, Chad. There's something that's just like a bug in my ear. There's some kind of moratorium there. Uh, between somewhere between the wild card round and the cha- and uh, the Super Bowl, so 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 I'm going to go with that for now. We're going to go with your intuition, Evan, covering the Colts for nearly 40 years, and and, and mine is uh, just some guy who's uh, who's talking into a microphone here. Well, I, I need to look into it too because I, I think they have adjusted it because assist OCs and and DCs with playoff teams were sort of getting people were filling jobs, filling positions before they were really able. To get involved, so I think right. they they have a, loosened it, adjusted it, whatever. Well, let's take a look at the uh, the interviewed candidates so far, and also a couple of the candidates that have been reported uh, to to earn some interviews in the future uh, with the Colts, assuming that this process does indeed go to uh, mid February, as Chris Boward uh, so promised during his postseason wrap up. Uh, we'll begin in house with uh, special teams coordinator Bubba Ventrone. Forty year old Ventrone has uh, become. Uh, certainly a little bit of a hot name across the NFL, and certainly here in Indy, he's become well-known with the uh, the success that the uh, special teams unit has had over the recent years under his tutelage. Uh, he received a little bit of fame with uh, hard knocks here, uh, showing his uh, ability to take, uh, take plays and take uh, film and then translate that over to game planning and to show how weaknesses could be exploited uh, in multiple different ways. Uh, Bubba was the first candidate that the Colts interviewed. He's been their special teams coordinator since 2018 when Frank Reich came on board. A couple all-pros on that side of the ball. Ashton Doolin was an all-pro. Uh, George Odom was an all-pro. Luke Rhodes was an all-pro as well. Um, and he's, he certainly, uh, if you look at the entire team roster, he's got to know it better than the offensive coordinator, better than the defensive coordinator, because he gets guys from both sides of the ball to plug into his, uh, his position, uh, Chap, even if he knows the positions and the players well, 
I'd still assume there's going to be a lot of change this offseason with that personnel. So, like, even if that gives him a, a leg up, it's probably a slight leg up. And also, when the Colts went outside of the building and picked Jeff Saturday, do, does that have, do you think, any impact on their view of Ventrone as a possible head coaching candidate that they wouldn't choose him as the interim guy, that instead uh, they went out and uh, really Jim Ursay, I should say, went out and uh, picked Saturday in that stead? That's a good question. The second part, I'm just wondering how much went into let's try to not mess things up any more than we have from an operational standpoint. And if you bring Bubba in to be the interim coach, then then who takes – I realize you've got people, assistants, and all that underneath them. Maybe it, maybe it was a case of let's keep things as normal as possible. They were already without a head coach and an O.C., uh, but but at the same time, it was very, very clear that Jeff Saturday who, is who they wanted. So maybe that maybe I'm way off on that. They, they wanted Jeff Saturday. Remember the thing? Jim Ursay wanted Jeff Saturday, of course. <laughs> who is they, quote-unquote they. He, he, the only <laughs> vote that counted. Because I, I, I go back to the one statement that just knocked me over. If Jeff Saturday said no, we wouldn't be here. I thought, what? Uh but I think what, what, one thing Bubba, I think, was saying, and you're right, there's going to be personnel changes. So the people he's worked with won't maybe be as many as he'll work with next year. But I think it was more that he's, that he's had to work with the entire roster. He's had to work offense, defense, and all that. So I think what he was mentioning is I, I've shown I have the ability to interact with, with all phases of the roster, which is really important. The OC, that's not the case. He works with the offense. Same with the defensive coordinator. So I was surprised to some degree Bubba didn't get it. I think Bubba was PO'd that Bubba didn't get it. I, I really do. Uh, and I know this team, the owner, Chris Ballard, not that it matters now, but Frank Reich, they've all thought Bubba will be a head coach. Uh, whether it's this soon or not, I don't know. But he's got most of the qu- – the only quality he doesn't have, which we've seen doesn't really matter, is experience at the position. <laughs> so take take that for what you want. He will be a head coach. I won't say sooner rather than later, but at some point he will be a head coach. Joe, I'll say this in, in Bubba's uh, – in his corner. Like, if Jim Irsay was the one who made the decision to, to go to Jeff Saturday – if it was Chris Ballard's choice, if 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 it was thrust on him to just say, Frank is gone, you have to pick somebody, I think there's a better than 90% chance that Bubba is the guy that he picks for that job to be interim. So looking forward to this opening, maybe in Chris Ballard's mind, Bubba has a leg up on other candidates since he's been in-house and knows the ins and outs, the successes and the failures here. So if Chris Ballard has more say <laughs> in this coaching search than he had in the interim coaching search maybe Bubba has a chance to be the Colts head coach. Yeah, and I do feel bad for Bubba because I, I think if J- uh, Chris Ballard was permitted to make that decision, he would have picked Bubba. I agree with you on that. But at the end of the day, what he say in the press conference? We'll present Ursay with everything we find, our details, and give our opinion, but at the end of the day, it's his decision. And I think Ursay's already made his decision in the Bubba Ventrone versus Jeff Saturday competition that it seems it seems it, it's hard to argue against that point uh you're, you're completely right and especially if he gets the chance to sit down with jeff saturday which hasn't happened yet 
Uh, we haven't seen Jeff Saturday have an interview, even though he's a reported candidate. What's up, Joe? Doesn't it kind of seem like, you know, it, it, if we're imagining this like a normal job interview, doesn't it seem like Jeff Saturday's like already to the second round and these guys are all in like the first round? And so they're kind of going to go through all the outside guys first and then get to that with Jeff Saturday. That's just kind of how it feels to me. That is not a ridiculous assumption. We'll put it that way. So I think by rule, they have to interview him virtually first. But nevertheless, they might be putting that off just because it could be a formality. I don't know. And you could argue that he's further along than just the next round. He might be in the final round. Yes, you can. He's in the final three already. He might have got a bye to the finals. I don't know. Right? Must be nice. It must be nice. Another coordinator, uh, another rather candidate who was a can- uh, was a candidate, I should say, was Detroit's offensive coordinator, Ben Johnson, who has since decided to stay with Detroit. We don't need to go into too much depth here with him, Joe, but he is a young, hot commodity, one of those young offensive coordinators that this league has become very impressed with and giving head coaching jobs because of what they've been able to do as an offensive coordinator. You look at what he did in Detroit, and man, that was a great offense last year with a quarterback that was a cast-off in two different places and with the Rams and, uh, uh, well, really just with the Rams, and then thought that he was going to be just in Detroit as a, as a throwaway piece of the Stafford deal. Well, Johnson proved that, that Goff still had something left in him, uh, turned, uh, turned some young receivers into incredibly productive players so if not this year ben johnson's time as an nfl coach will certainly be soon as well yeah the trend around the league in recent year has been to go after the young offensive minds and trying to establish that because the league's all about scoring points um it's it's easier to outscore somebody than to win a 15 to 13 ball game every week just look at the indianapolis colts with defense and no offense this year so um johnson decided to stay i mean both the we'll get to the aaron glenn in a second but both the detroit coordinators are taking head coaching interviews because when you go from what they have three wins the year before to nine wins this year teams are going to say what was behind that and can we get a piece of it so i'm not surprised that after detroit's first winning season since 2017 um, other organizations are trying to poach their coaches. Yeah, and I think Johnson certainly had plenty of uh, of reason to be poached uh, with with what his offense was able to do. the uh, The Lions' defense didn't seem to me to be all that impressive this year. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'm an idiot, but uh, but nevertheless, there there they are. Aaron Glenn is is a candidate as well. Um, he was the defensive coordinator hire for the Lions in 2021. Has been an assistant coach for a while but also was a player in the NFL for 14, 15 years. A former first-round pick cornerback, been to the Pro Bowl three times. Um, they did show improvement over the final stretch, as Joe points out here, of the year. Uh, they were the bottom-ranked defense, though, in the NFL, giving up nearly 400 yards per game, but their points per game just shot way down during the final six games of the year when they needed to keep winning during that span to make a run for the playoffs, so they showed some some grit there to, to make, to make a, to make a case for themselves. But, but chap, um, if, if it is a defensive uh, direction, the Colts go, it, it would be somewhat as Joe kind of alluded to a bit of a break from the norm because I mean, you look right now at the teams that are left in, in the NFL playoffs of the eight teams, only one of the head coaches has a defensive background and that's Sean McDermott with the bills. Everyone else has an offensive background, whether it's Andy Reid with the chiefs, uh, whether it's Doug Peterson with the Jaguars, whether it's uh, Brian Dable with the Giants, all of them are offensive head coaches. 
Sean McDermott's the only defensive one. So if the Colts get a defensive coach they like, I'm not saying they won't pick him, but I am saying that it's going to be somewhat against the norm. And, and it's probably the same either way, but I, w- I want to know who your staff is. Okay, yeah, sell me on yourself. Sell me on your staff. And if it's a defensive coach, really sell me on your OC and your quarterback coach because that those two guys are going to have more to do with the success of your franchise than just about anybody else. So, you know, and it's kind of crazy. I almost think it's more important to get the quarterback right than it is to get the head coach right. And I, I, it's, I'm sure we can go either way on that. But if you're going to be a defensive guy, I need to know who you're entrusting the future of our future franchise quarterback. And these guys, these guys have got that. These guys who want to be head coaches, they know who they want their staff to be. But if it's an offensive coach, he'll have the, the stern hand on your quarterback. If it's a defensive coach, he won't. So I want to know who is going to be running your offense and nurturing my young quarterback. Joe, anything you wanted to specifically add about Aaron Glenn before we move on to some more candidates? Not necessarily. I mean, we'll see. Maybe he'll be if he's not chosen as a head coach somewhere, a stronger candidate next year if that Detroit defense continues to improve. I mean, the cupboard was pretty bare using Chris Ballard terms on that defensive roster. Um, they used second overall pick on Aiden Hutchinson. He kind of gets better as the year goes along, and that defense gets better as well. So um, this is someone who, for one reason or another, I am kind of high on, maybe not this year, though. Los Angeles Rams defensive coordinator Raheem Morris is also a candidate who was interviewed for the Colts' open head coaching position, was the Rams' defensive coordinator the last two years. And of all these candidates, uh, I think Morris is one that is is one of the most experienced out of all of them. Uh, Morris has been an NFL head coach for 21 seasons, and really on both sides of the ball, but defense is kind of his focus. NFL coach, not head coach. Sorry, I'm sorry. Thank, Thank you, Joe. Didn't mean to say that. He's been a coach for 21 years, but a head coach of Tampa Bay for three seasons. He went uh, 17 and 31 uh, in those years with one winning season, went 10 and six. So therefore, by the uh, process of subtraction, the other two years, uh, Raheem Morris went seven and 25 uh, with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers during those years. He was also the interim head coach of the Falcons in 2020 after Dan Quinn was fired. Our friend Zach Kiefer with The Athletic reported that the interview with Morris went really well here. This is a name that I think is... It's not that I think. It's that I know it has picked up some steam on Twitter with, I don't know, some some blogger boys and people who like who all of a sudden are putting Raheem Morris as like one of their favorites for this position, someone that they would want for this position. And I'll be honest, I don't know why. I don't know why he stands out above everyone else right now. He's had a chance in the past. It did not go well. He went back and has been a good defensive coordinator again. Uh, Rams won a Super Bowl two years ago. But I just, I don't know why you would hire, why you would hire. I just don't know. If either of you could make the, the uh, the argument, I, I'd love to hear it because uh, so far I haven't heard a great one for Raheem Morris, especially when you stack him up with some of the other coaches in this field uh, who are 
who, who just have some differences and I think some better qualities in my opinion. So like I said, if either of you can give a better argument for Raheem Morris, you go ahead. The floor is yours. I think part of the idea is that he, when he was a head coach, he was extremely young. He was 33 years old. He's learned a lot since then. And, you know, I'm not a huge fan of the head coaching retreads. I don't see them commonly work out very often. Uh, every once in a while they do. Bill Belichick is probably the greatest example of that. But, um, yeah, he's, he's just a guy who you think maybe round two, a little more mature, a little more experienced, he might be able to uh, be able to learn from his mistakes during his first head coaching stint. I think the Colts do value the, 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 the likelihood of a coach – having learned from the first time around what to do better, what to do different. Uh, Dan Quinn, we'll get to him. He he would be the retread, but he, he had success. He had quite a bit of success until, <laughs> until he didn't. But I think there is something to the fact that, you know, th- this guy's done it before, he had success, and it went wrong, and he'll learn from it. The, the one thing that I've, I've always – always thought about when you're getting that hot OC or the hot DC is Raheem Morris is not bringing Aaron Donald with him. He's not. And and these guys that have got strong top level, you know, top tier units they have because they've got great personnel where they're at. So you better be sold on the guy as a coach as a guy who can lead as opposed to, well, you know, he, he was pretty good when he had, you know, three pro bowlers with him were all pro guys. So I, 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 I go back to, and this is dating myself. I just remember when the Colts hired Ted Marcher Brody in 1995, he was the OC at Buffalo. Remember the, the Jim Kelly, the K gun with all those guys. And we said, well, Ted, you're going to bring, you're going to run the, the, the K gun here. He said, I don't think they're going to let me bring, Jim Kelly and Thurman Thomas and Andre Reed and all that. So it's great that, that you, you've done well with great talent. When you're taking over a new team, to some level you're rebuilding. Now, there's a lot of pieces in place here if, if it's a defensive quarter. This is still a good defense. There's some parts on offense, but you're not bringing your guys with you. So you better be darn sold on the guy as a coach and a leader and not just because he can coach Aaron Donald. Yeah. With, with Raheem Morris, like you look back to what he did for, for me with that Tampa Bay team, they went three and 13, his first season as head coach, which is fine. I don't care about your record as your first season as head coach. Doesn't matter to me. Second year went 10 and six. They did not make the playoffs that year because they just missed out on tie breakers. But at that point, they had the youngest head coach in the league. They had one of the youngest rosters in the league in terms of just their average age. And certainly, obviously, had clear optimism that next year after going 10-6, and six, having a young team, taking that next step with a young head coach and a young team. And they started 4-2, and two, had some wins against division opponents. But after that, they had a 10-game losing streak to finish the season. And it's not like your quarterback got hurt or something like that. It's not like your best player got hurt. It's just you had a 10-game losing streak. Things came apart to end the season. Uh, Josh Freeman was the quarterback that year. Obviously, you look back and you say, oh, Josh Freeman, certainly not a great quarterback. And I I completely agree with you in the NFL terms. But but 10 losses in a row to end of the season, I mean, that's Indianapolis Colts territory this year, isn't it? 
Like that's that's what gets coaches fired, and, and it's what it, like it seems it seems to me like a pretty uh, pretty similar, although not entirely similar, like position that that we just saw here. Like there was a team that had high expectations and then completely fell apart, and, and that's that happened under his watch. I know that's a long time ago, but but that was like that's that's who you are. That's that's what your that's what your resume says you are. So so to me, I think you'd you'd have to really talk me into. Raheem Morris, and I'm sure all these guys are good talkers, which which is why the which is why they are back in rooms and getting more more interviews. But but at this point, I just like like I said, I, I don't mean to keep going going in on the guy, but I just I just can't I can't fathom why he is a serious like a really contending head coaching candidate. I think he's a very good defensive coordinator. Don't get me wrong. We'll do the same with Dan Quinn later. I don't want to say that I'm just doing this on Raheem Morris. I think I'm right there on Dan Quinn as well. But but. But what, but what they've put on tape, what their record shows is what they are to me. And I just, I, I find it hard to believe that you could really have a, a strong feeling about a guy who has had an opportunity in the past, really had optimism in the past and good players and a good team that was ready to take that next step. And he just completely failed to do it. Well, one thing, just because I'm all about getting my facts straight, the Colts didn't have a 10 game losing streak this year. No, it felt like they did. So, but, Thank you, Chad. But but I think your point is well taken. Is it's it's the it's that coaches the the buck stops with the coach to make sure that a five game losing streak doesn't stretch to ten. You, you find a way to to, to 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 stop the bleeding. So I, I hear you. All all I do all I'm saying is I do believe I do know the Colts think there's value in having done it before. Uh, now that will that be the overriding thing? No, uh, because if you're going with a with a young OC or DC, they've not done it before, so you don't know how they would react. I'm not saying it's a it's a crapshoot, but I just know that there's a, a faction with the Colts who, who who does believe that having done it before, you learn from your mistakes. We'll see if that's where they go. Yeah, well, if you if you learn from your mistakes, then hire Frank Reich back. You know, uh, he, he he knows the the roster better than anyone else, and he had his mistakes, and he could, and that like so so yeah, I I get what you're saying, and, and I completely understand. I understand what you're saying. I just I just do not uh, I I do not do not follow along the tracks myself. So so we can move on. I, I don't need me to keep going on Raheem Morris and and. Repeat all this for Dan Quinn later, uh, but uh, we, we'll, that'll bring us to Kansas City offensive coordinator Eric Bieniemy. Fifty-three years old, Bieniemy took over the OC job when Matt Nagy left for the Bears job, and during those five years, Kansas City ranked the top six in both scoring yards, scoring and yards every season. Joe Bieniemy hasn't gotten that opportunity to be a head coach yet, but he's obviously a name that that will keep going in the uh, kind of in the head coaching candidate circles as long as he is just an OC under Andy Reid because there are so many coaches now in the in the Andy Reid tree once you have your own tree uh, of head coaches uh then then you know that that things have been successful for other guys in the past and they have an opportunity they new guys will have an opportunity to get theirs as well Bienemy is one of those like chap said he's not going to bring Patrick Mahomes with him but I think he's certainly going to be an interesting name, having worked under Andy Reid for so long, and the success that other Andy Reid disciples, like a Sean McDermott uh, with the Bills, has had in the past themselves. Yeah, the the big question with Bieniemy is how much of the offensive success is he responsible for? Obviously, Andy Reid is the mastermind of that offense. There, um, 
it'd be hard to have a bad offense with Patrick freaking Mahomes, that quarterback. And we saw what happened with Matt Nagy when he was offensive coordinator, went to the Bears, and that did not work out. So I think those questions remain. And I guess another question just that I think of specifically is, kind of surprised he hasn't been hired as a head coach already like it seems like every year he's kind of in the circle of interviews and he never quite gets a job I wonder why that is mm-hmm. N- not ridiculous as well uh, I think all, all good points chap yeah I, I and I don't know I, I wonder if he interviews well some guys are knocking out knocking out of the park like, like we said uh, I bet Frank Reich just just kills you with interviews I, I think he does maybe other guys don't and I do think there's more valid though is is people wonder how much of, how much of his fingerprints are on what they do in in KC. I, I think that's valid. And if you look, go ahead. Sorry, no, I no, thought you were done. And I think that is, that is something that and until he gets a chance to show that he does have an influence, you just don't know. And I think uh, that's uh, kind of contrary to uh, another candidate for coach, which is Shane Steichen the Eagles offensive coordinator, you see the fingerprints that he has had in Philadelphia because when Nick Sirianni took over there and had Shane Steichen as his offensive coordinator, it was Sirianni initially calling plays. But then that wasn't working out. They switched to Steichen, and that offense had a dramatic improvement there. Uh, Last year, when they did that, the team made a run for the playoffs, and then this year has been arguably the best team in the NFL, certainly one of the best offenses in the NFL, uh, was third in the league this year in points scored, 28.1. So it's very obvious, chap, why Shane Steichen will be a, a candidate for head coach. And uh, with Nick Sirianni as a guy who has a connection to the Colts, Steichen kind of has a de facto uh, uh, ancillary uh, connection there uh, underneath the former Colts offensive coordinator as well. I, I suppose that's a good thing. We, we, yes, we, I don't know. We saw how Sirianni reacted to the cold yeah it's a good point maybe he'll convince him not to come <laughs> yikes but i think that thing shows two things about the philly situation is sirianni realized in short order he realized that it behooved him to not call plays because you got a lot of stuff going on you know and on top of that he totally trusted this guy to do it he did and on top of that jalen hurts kind of came into his own so it's kind of like a perfect storm but this is the kind of guy that intrigues me. Uh, I'm kind of curious if it goes a little further. Will, will the Colts look at uh, Ken Dorsey? Just wondering. But th- this is that. This seems to be like that next young offensive whiz. You know, does 37 bother you? The age? I don't know. I don't know because these guys got to get a start. But this this is the kind of guy that intrigues me, maybe more than the other ones. Joe, I think that a chat makes a good point with uh, with Jalen Hurts' development coming into his own. Certainly with the receivers that they have there, helped him out tremendously, getting some great weapons around him to throw to. Um, but, but if you can pair a young offensive mind with a young quarterback that both develop together, which is something the Colts have the opportunity to do, that seems like it's an intriguing scenario, or at least it should be. Yeah, Steichen's one of the guys I'm really high on, maybe even more so than B enemy. Um, part of the reason is, I, I guess B enemies had the experience as OC as well, but Steichen, compared to some of these guys, one guy we haven't mentioned yet is Jero Averro, defensive coordinator for the Broncos for just one season. Steichen's been a coordinator for two seasons 
with the Eagles. Before that, two years with the Chargers. He worked with Sirianni and Reich with the uh, uh, Chargers over there in um, San Diego and then L.A. Um, has been an assistant and position coach on the offensive side. So it really excites me to be able to pair a young offensive mind who has called plays. I, I don't think the enemy calls plays very often over there with Andy Reid in Kansas City. Uh, Reid's the one with the play sheet. So Steichen, there's so much uh, uh, offensive set success that can be more directly tied to him. Um, being able to put him with the young quarterback does excite me. You bring up Ijero Ivero, 42-year-old defensive coordinator for the Broncos, was just their defensive coordinator for one season, has been an assistant position coach in the NFL since 2011. And in spite of Denver's struggles this year, they were very much like the Colts in the fact that that defense was pretty good. And really, the defense didn't trail away at the end of the year like the Colts did. But the Denver defense finished 7th in yards allowed, was 14th in points allowed per game. Um, So uh, Ivero is a, a name that has come up in a bunch of uh, coaching interviews as well. He's a, he's a young and enthusiastic, charismatic uh, type of leader. Uh, and chap, if you're looking for a quote-unquote leader of men, uh, Vero's going to be one of those uh, those candidates that, uh, that will certainly turn some heads, I think. I don't know, again, if he gets a job in this cycle with only five positions open and uh, him being only a coordinator for one year. But, uh, but is going through, going through the process now, which I think I personally think will just pay dividends down the road, not yield to any opportunities this year, but who knows? I could be wrong. If he truly does impress uh, one team and who knows which one team that could be uh, with what he has to say in one of these interviews. Yeah. And I think you're right. We're going to beat the, 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 the catch word down to death leadership. And I think this is a team as this season went on, this last season went on, there was something missing internally. I don't know. I don't know what it was. Something was lost, and they need to have a coach come in here that can command the room. And again, what level that can can that be a one year coordinator? I don't know. I I don't know. We're not in the interview process. We're not, you know, in how a guy interact interacts with the team. It's going to be extremely vital for this guy to to show leadership, not only with a def- defensive year at DC, but the entire room. And, and again, that's why I think there are, if you, if you read about it, it's funny when you read about this guy or that guy, that people always talk to, to players under him and, and they're all, you know, they're all, they praise him, you know, out, 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 out the rear end. Well, of course you will. That, that's what you do. But, but I, I really think it's going to be, I, I, I think I want somebody with more experience and having said that, the Philly guy is what thirty-seven, so so his is a little bit limited. I probably want more of a, a of a proven presence in the room. But but again, they they've cast a, a wide net, and this is one of the guys that that is one of the one of the young, hot coordinators. But I just think they go a different direction. Need new windows? Let the hometown team help. Hometown Windows and Doors is Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer with master installers. From design to installation, we handle it all, carrying nationally known brands like Anderson with more options and competitive pricing. Call us direct and get 25% off your windows if you buy within the next 60 days. Please contact your hometown team today. We are Central Indiana's premier locally owned full-service Anderson dealer. National brand, hometown feel. 
The story of Hancock Health is all about you and everything you need to live your healthiest life. Like Hancock Regional, one of the nation's safest hospitals, and an independent health network with over 70 doctors at more than 30 locations around East Central Indiana. We're growing and evolving to help further your story. And we're just getting started. See all the ways Hancock Health and you can work together to make health possible at HancockHealth.org. So those are all the player, all the, all the uh, candidates the Colts have interviewed so far. Uh, they have requested interviews, according to multiple reports, with several other coordinators, including including 49ers defensive coordinator D'Amico Ryans, who is 38 years old, so not too much older himself than Shane Steichen, one of the 30s, was hired as defensive coordinator two years ago, has been only an assistant or position coach in the NFL since 2017. So his experience is, what, five years, 17, 18, 19, six years in, in the league, so not a whole lot as a coach, but was a former All-Pro and Pro Bowl player with the Houston Texans. So he's certainly a name that Colts fans will remember, as well as the Philadelphia Eagles late in his career. And just this past season, the 49ers defense that he led ranked first in points in the league and first in yards allowed. So you look at a young up-and-coming coordinator. We usually look at offense for this, guys, but but you see a guy who has been that successful in, uh, in leading a unit. And obviously, like he's not going to bring Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa with him again, but... But that is a unit that has been particularly impressive over the past couple years and a team that has been particularly impressive over the past couple years. So Ryan's is one of the other young, quote unquote, hotshot coordinator names out there. It's not a surprise that the Colts would give him a look. Right. And again, we're going to come down to, and we've talked about this, is you're going to be weighing someone who's unquestionably on the rise, D'Amico Ryan's. Again, what is he, 38 and you're going to have a Dan Quinn who's in his 50s. And one guy's been there and done that and had success and been fired and, and, is, and is running a pretty good defense in Dallas, and the other guy's got the defense with the Niners. Uh, it would be just so interesting to, to sit in a couple of these interviews and get a feel for what the Colts are looking for. But because you and again, I think they're doing the right the right thing by casting a wide net because you're you're interviewing all different varieties in, in, in experience and all that. I'd really like to know what they value most. But these guys, it's kind of like again, do you want the hot guy that you're pretty sure he's going to be a success as head coach, but you just don't know, or the guy that you know again, you're the guys that you're not high on as high on the guys who've done it before and, you know, they get fired. So I think it's really, it's interesting that the, 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 va- the vast level of, pl- of people they're considering and just what do you value most? Yeah, defensive coordinator Dan Quinn's the next one. And I fe- I don't feel like I should talk at all because I've said everything I need to say. When you, we you, about you, you've beaten him up to, to like, why is he on our uh, list? Include Dan Quinn in that. They're, they're both the same. And, and I'll, I'll say this for both of them. I think both of them, especially Dan Quinn, are very good defensive coordinators in the NFL. They're like Wade Phillips. When he got his head coaching position, it did not work out well. When he went back to being a defensive coordinator, he slid right in and was exceptional at what he did. Like These guys got the opportunity to be head coaches because they were exceptional defensive coordinators. And that is kind of what we're going through here. Some exceptional young defensive or offensive coordinators. But it's not a perfect fit whether you do that 
and then you become a good head coach at all. Joe, you pointed out earlier kind of the the outlier with Bill Belichick, who was an exceptional defensive coordinator, got a job, did not work out, was fired, got another job, and then that was uh, that went on perfectly, as uh, everyone here in Indianapolis will know. Uh, but but nevertheless, this is uh, this this is just another another candidate who, in my opinion, had his opportunity and and didn't do well with it. Now you could say for Quinn, he made a Super Bowl one year, so he did go to the playoffs. He won multiple games in the playoffs, made the Super Bowl, had a twenty-eight to three lead. We won't talk about what happened after that, but had a winning record in uh, in Atlanta. He was forty-six and forty-four in his couple years there, it, like. With two winning seasons in five years, just a couple playoff appearances, like his his resume does seem like Frank Reich's resume. He's just the defensive coach instead of the offensive coach. And Frank Reich won his Super Bowl when he went with the Eagles against the Patriots. That's like they they seem just incredibly same to me. So to me, why would you hire the same that didn't work? Why would you hire a guy that didn't work? That that uh, like I said, I I I need to stop talking because I've said enough about these guys. Well, you know, one thing about you being a no second chance guy. None. It, well, then, then Tony Dungy wouldn't have come here. There you go. So, so it, it does work, and I understand, yep. I understand exactly what you say. I guess with Dungy, you know, helps to have a quarterback. He he. Same with Belichick. Tom Brady helped. It, it, he yep. didn't didn't Dungy go from Sean King, I believe it was, to Peyton. So it does work. Uh, there's probably many many more examples of it not working. Because a lot of times it doesn't work because the guy's not a head coach. And you know one thing people need to realize? There is nothing wrong with being a great coordinator and you're not a good head coach. You know, you just got to find your level. And I understand guys who who strive to be the head coach. But just so you don't totally beat this guy, these guys up, (laughs) you know, Tony Dungy is, is one of the many examples that it can work. But again, if you go for – I don't really hate to use the word retread. If you go for the guy who didn't do it before and he doesn't do it this time, then shame on you. Uh, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough decision they got to make. I guess I would probably – I go back and forth. I understand the value of a guy learning. And boy, wouldn't you love to hit that hot new guy and pair him with a young quarterback and have it work for the next, I don't know, 10 years couple things on Quinn you know he obviously went to the Super Bowl as head coach of the Falcons went to two as defensive coordinator with the Seahawks winning one of them the thing that kind of concerns me about him five years head coach at the Falcons only two winning seasons none after Kyle Shanahan left he left as uh, offensive coordinator following their Super Bowl loss taking the job with San Francisco obviously the team that went seven and nine seven and nine the following year and Quinn's last year um, I think that's when he was fired midseason and uh, um, Raheem Morris took over um, because they started 0-5. So without Kyle Shanahan kind of uh, being the mastermind of that offense, scoring all those points with Matt Ryan and Julio Jones in his prime, Quinn's team wasn't nearly the same. So that's what I would be concerned with bringing in Dan Quinn. I guess what the Colts could do before they wave, terminate Matt Ryan, they can – Bring him in to talk about Dan Quinn. We'll see how 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 honest Matt Ryan is, but yeah, right, uh, yeah. So I it, it, I agree. With, I'd like to see where this goes and Dan Quinn. How much of that was him? How much was things around him? But uh, I, I go back to I, I'm I'm kind of going with where you are, Dave. That uh, 
retreads, you better be darn sure that guy has something in the second shot. And I'll say this about Tony Dungy, because I think your point is one of the best ones to make for a retread, that it certainly helps to have a quarterback. And with Dungy, after his first year in Tampa Bay, he didn't have a losing season. Like he was his last year before he was fired, he was nine and seven. So it's not like Raheem Morris, who went uh, who went four and twelve in his last year. It's not like Dan uh, Dan Quinn, whose uh, whose Falcons teams were crumbling under him. The, the 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 Buccaneers didn't crumble; they slightly underperformed and didn't make the playoffs. So so that that that's that's my response to that. But but you're right. You and I don't want to say that all retreads are bad, but I just don't I, like I, I these. Think, ones, I think Tony's I team. Made the playoffs the year he got fired. I I think that I think they went two or three one and dones in Philly. Uh, I'm I'm pretty sure they made the playoffs the year he got fired. They were nine and seven, and did they they did they and lost it, to Philly it was in the like playoffs? Two years in so there we thought, go. No, this isn't going to work. You can't get us over the top. So, yep. Well, then they yeah they they went to Gruden and he did get him over the top. So like they were right, and the Colts loved it that they got him, and they were right. So that was that was the classic win-win scenario back then. But but thank you for even correcting me. They even made the playoffs I, 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 that I, year. I, 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 Tony Dungy. Was like, I live to correct you. <laughs> yes, thank you. The last two coordinate, uh, coordinators that are on the Colts' list of uh, coordinators to interview are both Giants coordinators on defense, Wink Martindale, and on offense, Mike Kafka, who Joe are very much opposites. You have Wink, who's nearly sixty years old, has been in the NFL for almost twenty years as a coordinator and assistant. Um, and then Kafka, who is hired as Giants offensive coordinator at 35 years old just last year. He was 34 when he was hired, uh, was a former uh, uh, quarterback, a backup quarterback, a practice squad player in the NFL. I know he played for the Eagles for a while, only has 16 career pass attempts. But boy, Joe, when you look at what he's done with uh, with Danny Dimes there with the Giants this season, there have certainly been a lot of good things. And again, you pair a coach with a coach with a, uh, a young quarterback and and great things happen, and that would be Kafka's, I guess, the 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 header on his resume. That look what I was able to do with Daniel Jones this year, and you're going to get a young quarterback yourself. Let me mold him next. Yeah, of the two, Kafka's the one that excites me. Martindale seems like the classic, terrific coordinator. Maybe not head coaching material. You'd think by now he would have gotten an opportunity. This is his third stint as a defensive coordinator, previously with the Ravens and the Broncos. Kafka though. You know, uh, played quarterback and then felt sparingly. I think he had uh, about 16 career pass attempts, but was a backup uh, a practice squad player during his playing days. He, he's just been the Giants defensive coordinator for one season. He's only 35 years old, so he'd be one of those young offensive mind hires. But before that, quality control coach, quarterbacks coach, passing game coordinator with the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, you know, obviously anyone who works with Andy Reid, is going to get some looks having success uh, doing their job in that offense. So uh, Kafka, a quarterback-minded coach, you know, a former quarterback like Frank Wright is someone that, you know, I'm interested in pairing that kind of guy with a young rookie quarterback and watching them grow together. It's going to be the intangibles with Kafka that the Colts are going to have uh, questions about. Can he lead an entire team? Can he motivate? Is he that guy? Um, uh, without being in the room and talking to him, there's no way I could know that. But um, Kafka is a guy who piques my interest. 
you know, with the Giants still in the playoffs, though, Chap, it might take the Colts a little while to to get their mitts on him, so to speak, to be able to interview him. And and you brought up a name earlier in Ken Dorsey, who's the offensive coordinator for the Bills. If there are others like that, that, that the Colts could have their eye on as well, it might be some time. But, but like you also said earlier, and I completely agree with, the Colts are taking their time in this process. They did it before. They hired Frank Reich late and seemed to work in 2018, his first year when they went to the playoffs. Of course, they had Andrew Luck that season as well, but... I don't think Chris Ballard is afraid at all to go deep into February before he makes One this decision. One thing, just since we brought this up on Enemy, how much of, of what's happened with Daniel Jones has to do with Kafka and how much has to do with Brian Dable? I mean, I think he's sort of given more credit than anyone else after coming from Buffalo and all he did there. And that's where I think maybe Kafka has to be a little careful to not get you know, he spent three or four years there, and, and all of a sudden, well, was it you or was it the coach? And, and it, that's not to that's not to discredit him at all. It's just that it seems to me to this point that the head coach has gotten more credit for what's the, the transformation or the development, I guess, than the coordinator. And boy, his his brief resume is a little concerning as far as he just hasn't done it very long. He was just hired as an offensive quality control coach in 2017, then got promoted to QB's coach in 2018 for two years, was passing game coordinator for two years along with QB's coach. Um, so, yeah, uh, like you said, it's a very, it's a short resume. Um, out of all these players, or all these coaches, rather, I, you, you all know already who, who, who stands out to me in a bad way, for sure. I don't have to go into that. I but, thought it'd be. Um, I would. I thought it'd be. Sorry, Dave. I thought it'd be interesting if we all went around and picked like our top threes. If we were going to go to a final three with the guys now, who who would yours be, Dave? With, with these guys right here, my top three would be uh, would be D'Amico Ryan's and Shane Steichen and Eric Bieniemy. Um, those would be the three. I'd want to sit them down in a room and see what they had to say. And that's that's not in that order specifically. That's just uh, the order that I read them here on, on our sheet. So um, so, th- so those would be my three. And I think that um, that one of those three would would stand out at the end of the day. Uh, but but I, I do think that there's going to be a couple more names on, on this list or that are not on this list that still get some looks. Uh, but but among the list, those are the three that I like um, because uh, because of the reasons that that I think we've already described here. So I love that the enemy is from Andy Reid's tree. Um, in uh, I, I love that what Steichen has done in Philadelphia, and I love what uh, D'Amico Ryan's has done in, in San Francisco. So um, so yeah, th- those would be my three. Joe, what about you? And then Chap, how about you wrap us up with your three picks after Joe uh, goes? Pretty similar. I'd go uh, Ryan Steichen, and then. It was a toss-up pretty close between Bienemy and Kafka. I'm going Kafka, though. I'll go with the young guy um, just to see if you can kind of capture that lightning and ball with the young guy who kind of hits it running and then coaches for you for a long, long time. Um, but the young, uh, mostly offense, but then I think D'Amico Ryans might be the exception to that where he could be like um, – um, Oh, I'm blanking on the Buffalo's coach's name. Help me out here. Buff- McDermott. McDermott. Yeah, I think he might be able to be that guy who could be like a D- McDermott for Indianapolis. All right, chat. Yeah, I would go Steichen, Ryans, and just just to rally you up, I'd say Quinn. Ah! Because I, I can't get past the fact that I know they like the idea of a guy who's done it. Unless his name is Jeff Saturday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, I see he didn't, he didn't make any three of our lists. 
and we could have been, we could have just spent the last hour talking about everybody who won't get it. But I, I, I just kind of think they'd like to go for that young, the young guy, who, who shows you know that that he's got what it takes, and they get him early with, and then do you want to go offensive or defensive? And I, th- I think the value of having an offensive coach with with where you're going to have your investment, Steichen is the guy I would probably go with. A couple weeks left uh, for us to discuss this down the road, uh, I'm sure, as the Colts are still taking their time with this head coaching search. But we'll divert to a couple of other topics along the way. Like I said, our Mike Chappell is working on some things on quarterback in particular that you can read over the next coming days or weeks online, fox59.com, cbs4indy.com. Be sure to check us out there and on Twitter, at Colts Blue Zone. Follow us for Colts news and notes throughout the week. For Mike Chappell and Joe Hopkins, I'm Dave Griffiths. We appreciate you all listening. We will see you next week on the Colts Blue Zone podcast.